just a little bit, but Jesus called the disciples unto himself. And I'm going to tell you something. They weren't disciples after 13 lessons. Uh, they were with Jesus for about three, and three years or so. And uh, they listened to him talk every day. They learned lessons from him every day. And he taught them how to minister to others. And he sent them out and they went together and ministered to others together. And so discipleship is a process. And uh, so we have been looking at it and looking at it and looking at it and wanting to further that process. And tonight we're going to kick off. We're just going to jump start here in John chapter number 8. And I want us to pick up reading to start with in verse, uh, let's look at verse 28. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me, the Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. And he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which he believed on him, which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Well, our discipleship program right there on the book, it says continue, right? And that's where it's really the theme of it, the, uh, where it's captured from is this verse right here. If you can, Jesus said to those who believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Aren't you thankful tonight that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone? Salvation is very, very simple. It's not works related. You just come to a place, you realize you're lost, you need to be saved, you repent of your sin, you accept Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you believe on Him. But then Jesus says, now if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. So discipleship is a process, and it's getting in the word of God, it's learning from the words of Jesus, and allowing God's word to permeate everything of who we are, and, and he says when we end that word, then it, it, it helps us in so many things. Because you know, Jonathan, when you get saved, you still carry a whole lot of stuff. All that stuff has been forgiven, but you've got to deal with all that baggage and all of those things that are wanting to hold on to you and, and pull you back, all of that stuff. But the more you get in the Word of God and you learn the truth of the Word of God and God's principles begin to be applied to your life, you find out just how much God loves you. And there's grace and there's liberty and there's... There's hope and all of these things, and you begin to feel all of that stuff be, uh, to be removed out of your life. And so if we continue in, in, in the Lord's word, we will be his disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make us free. Well, uh, tonight, I, I've, been, I've been going through a particular uh, a book uh, entitled uh, uh, The Principal Life. It's by R.B. Ouellette. And R.B. Ouellette was a preacher that had a huge impact upon my life. And in that book, there's a number of principles that, uh, that he speaks of. Actually, there's 30 in the book. And uh, there's just different things that we see in the scriptures. There are truths in the scriptures. And you apply those principles to our life. And uh, so a lot of times, when, when, not a lot of times, but when we're in discipleship and you're going through continuing one-on-one -on -one discipleship, we learn who, what the Bible is. We learn how we got the Bible. We learn who God is. You learn who Jesus is and the Holy Spirit. And there's a number of things that we learn that are very important uh, uh, for us to understand as we, as we are believers in the Word. But then there is a, there's a process of where everything that we learn how do we apply those things? How do we apply those basic principles in our life? Because God wants us to be successful. Can I get amen? amen? I promise you he does because his word says he does. And so how, does, how, do, we be, how, how do we get to a place where we see ourselves as not beaten down and ruined, uh, but we see ourselves as living life successfully in a way that brings honor and glory to the Lord? And so I really want to, uh, uh, there's some things that I want to bring out tonight that uh, I, I give him credit for uh, because it really kind of lays things out. 
And as, as with, I'm just going to be honest with you, all of, there's nothing new under the sun. I have never preached something that somebody didn't preach somewhere before. And I've never preached something that the Holy Spirit didn't give me, but I've also heard something somewhere that applied to my life. And so we, we capture things. We get things from all over the place. Uh, but there are some things I, I give him the credit uh, for some of the things that are said here, and then a lot of the things I add on my own. And uh, so I just want to, uh, to just put that out there tonight. Putting Bible principles into daily practice is what we're going to look at tonight. So this is really just an introduction of a series that we're going to begin this evening. And if you'll come and be a part of it, it's going to help you. Amen. It will help you. I promise it will help you. All right? So let's pray. Father, bless this time that we have. We pray that you gather our attention. Uh, Lord, that uh, I know that sometimes on Wednesdays our attention span is low because we have worked hard. We've done different things throughout the day. And now it's 7 o'clock in the evening. And uh, this is a time that uh, typically we might be trying to relax a little bit. We've been busy. All of these things. I pray that your Holy Spirit would stir our hearts up and uh, give us things tonight that's really going to refresh us and help us, and we'll give you the glory for it all. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, what does it mean to be a disciple? What, what's the definition of a disciple? Well, the standard definition of disciple is someone who adheres, adheres to the teachings of another. It's a follower or a learner. Uh, if you will. And it refers to someone who takes up the ways of someone else. So, uh, in, in, in order to be a disciple, the teacher has an authoritative role in a disciple's life. And when you apply it to a relationship with Jesus, a disciple is someone who learns from Christ to live like Christ. So we're trying to be, every day, we're trying to be more like Jesus. We want to learn from him the things that he is teaching, the principles that he is teaching and instructing us in the word of God. We're wanting to apply those things, learn those things, and uh, live like Jesus. We have recorded in the Gospels Jesus' invitation to Peter, Andrew, James, John, and another place to Matthew. You remember what he said when he came to them? He said two words. What were they? Follow me, right? He came to them and said, follow me. And he said different things. He said to one, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And, and, and he goes to Matthew and he sees Matthew there at the custom. And, and, and he tells them to follow him. And Matthew leaves his job and, and he begins to follow Jesus. And, and the truth is, when they accepted the invitation, they forsook other things that before took precedent in their life. When they came, when Jesus came to Peter and Andrew, he, they were there, those men in their nets, they're washing their nets, and, and he, he comes and he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They left those nets. James and John, they left their father, the sons of Zebedee, they, they left daddy. Matthew, he left his job where he was no doubt uh, prosperous. That's one of the reasons why everybody hated him, because he's collecting taxes and nobody liked the tax collector. He's living prosperous, he's living for Rome, nobody likes him. And so... It was something very important to them, something that they held on to that they did every day. Yet when Jesus came to them and he says, follow me, they forsook those things in order that they might accept his invitation and follow him. Now, most of us want a relationship with Jesus Christ that doesn't cost us anything. But the biblical model teaches us that discipleship in capital letters will cost us something. If any man follows the Lord, we've got to take up our cross, Jesus says. Today, we rarely refer to ourselves as disciples. Instead, what do we call ourselves? We call ourselves what? Christians. Somebody said it. We call ourselves Christians. Well, turn your Bible to Acts chapter number 11. And uh, you know what? I want you to go to Matthew 28 first. We'll get to Acts 11 in just a moment. The term Christians originated in Antioch in Acts 11 and verse 26. I'll show you that verse shortly. It originated when Barnabas and Saul, who later we know as Paul, they assembled together with the church 
for an entire year. And the Bible says that there they taught much people. Although Barnabas and Saul were the teachers, they weren't creating disciples of themselves. Their teachings revolved so much around Jesus Christ that those around them began calling the believers Christians. It was there that the disciples were first called Christians. Well, in, in the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and 19, you're there, and Jesus teaches. He says, what does he say? He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, right? He says, go out there and you, you teach them. You're, you're, you're making disciples of all nations. You're, 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 you're sharing the gospel. You're reaching them with Jesus. Uh, you're re- telling them about salvation. And, you, and then you're to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And that's preaching the gospel of salvation that is by grace through faith in Christ alone. It's the only way we can be saved, amen? The only way you can have a relationship with God is found through your relationship with Jesus Christ. And then it's talking about baptizing us as believers who are buried, according to Romans 6, in the likeness of his death and raised to walk in newness of life. You hear me say that every time I baptize someone. It is saved, baptized individuals then who who make up the local church. And so when we think of Christians, it's, we think of people who have identified with Christ, who have a personal relationship with Him that, uh, that we think of. So we, we talk to someone and say, hey, are you a Christian? Well, I want to know, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you know Him? Have you, by faith, received His gift of eternal life? That's what we think of when we think of in terms of Christians. But then, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, Jesus adds another responsibility to the teacher. We're to go, teach all nations, baptizing. But in verse 20, he says, says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And so the disciple, the discipled, is to become the discipler. Or in other words, the student becomes the teacher. And the curriculum is God's word. He's saying, you go, you teach all nations, you reach them. We know the message. The message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The church is born. The church is in place. And then you see the church in action. As as he says, he says, then I want you to teach them everything I've taught you, everything that I've commanded you. And for us, it's found in that Bible. Amen? For them, it was found in their relationship, what they had heard from Jesus, what they had been taught from Jesus, word for word. For us, it's found in the Word of God. It's the Bible. And, and so that is our curriculum. And so we go there, and we're to teach, we're to teach from the Word. And so we have, been, we have been sitting at the Master's feet. We have been learning. Now it's our responsibility to teach others. So go to Acts chapter 11, and, and we, see all of this, we see all of this unfold. In Acts, in Acts 11, we see the instruction of evangelism take place uh, that, was, uh, that was spoken of in Matthew 28, 19. It's exemplified here in Acts 11, and uh, let's begin in verse number 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. They're, they're taking that. They're following Matthew 28, 19. And, and the hand of the Lord was with them. And look what happens. A great number believed and turned unto the Lord. We see evangelism happening. And uh, I hope that it doesn't take persecution to make us go out and spread the word. Uh, I hope that we choose to do it on our own. But then in verse 23, Barnabas exhorts them. He exhorts them to be purposeful in their, this new relationship. Look at verse 23. Who when he came he had, and seen the grace of God was glad. He was happy with what he saw. These new believers, this new church started. These folks who had gathered together on a Wednesday night, it, it excited him. And, and he, he spoke to them, he exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Listen, listen. You don't grow in your faith, you don't grow as a disciple, you don't grow in your knowledge of the Word of God without being purposeful. It don't just happen. That's what he's teaching. It don't just happen. 
And with everything in life, you get from it what you want to get from it. Okay? You can go through the continued study and you can fill in all those blanks and not know a thing. You will get from it what you want to get out of it. All right? And therefore, it takes some more. Every, everyone that I disciple, everyone that I meet with, I'm telling you, listen, you better get in the Word. When it says do those five devotions, you better have those five devotions done next week. If you don't, we're not going no further. If you haven't read your Bible, if you haven't answered the questions, we're not going any further because if you're not putting forth the effort, don't pretend that you're trying to be a disciple. He encourages them. Okay, I'm glad. You're saved. You're a church. We're gathering together. Now let me encourage you with purpose and heart. Cleave unto the Lord. you got a desire in your heart with a purpose. This is what I want. I want to leave that old life behind, and I want to grow in grace and understanding of God, and therefore I want to be transformed. I, I want to continue in the Word, and therefore I'm His disciple, and I will find the truth, and the truth will, set me, will make me free. I want to see that. Well, Barnabas is such a blessing that he doesn't just say that without being willing to help you. And so he goes and he gets Saul... Saul is down there in Tharsis. And uh, we see that the teacher and uh, follower of Christ himself, Barnabas, is going to help this church of newly saved believers, just as he was instructed from Matthew 28, 20 through discipleship. Evangelism took place. Baptisms happened. The church is, people are in the church. Now he says, let's grow in the Lord. And so in verse 25, then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. Whole year. Now I want to tell you something, Lee. You're getting a little bit of taste of this. They didn't go to church Sunday, Sunday morning and Wednesday night. It was a daily thing. It was a daily thing. They spent time in the Word on a daily basis. And so it says that they taught much people. Why? Because there was a lot for us to learn. Amen? There's a lot to learn. You're not just going to get it. Just occasional, I'm gonna, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll get in there you got a purpose in your heart. You'll get out of it what you want to get out of it. Do you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, or don't you? Well, how do we put Bible principles into daily life? Well, now what we are learning and what we are teaching, they are principles found in the Word of God. And a principle by definition, you can write this down, is a Bible truth we must live by. All right? A principle is a Bible truth we must live by. Consider Psalm 119, 105. That verse teaches us, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What does that mean? That word shows me where I am and it shows me where I'm going. It's a lamp unto my feet. I can see where I'm standing, but I can also see just far enough of where I'm going. And as I get in that word and I keep going and I start seeing where I'm at and where I'm headed, that, that word directs my steps and where God wants me to be. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We're all probably familiar with the acrostic concerning the Bible. Can anybody tell me what it is? B-I-B-L-E, what's it stand for? Hey, there you go, Right? That's as simple as it can get, right? Basic instructions before leaving earth. Well, you may call the Bible an instruction manual, or you may call it a road map, but the Bible's the main component that God gives us to navigate life. Does everybody agree? It's what God gives us to navigate life. Now, here's the problem with men. is that we don't like reading instruction manual. And we don't like asking for directions. Amen. We'd rather figure it out on our own. And that's the problem with men. We're too macho to ask for help. 
We can figure it out. We want to put the pieces together. We want to put the puzzle together without you telling us what to do. And that's one of the re biggest reasons our homes are in such a mess these days. Can I get amen? I'll add this in there. Did, did Eve know what God said concerning the fruit? She knew. Did Adam know? He knew. Did she eat the fruit first? She did. What was he doing? He's over there doing nothing. He's just letting her do it. That is men today. I'm getting on men right now. We'll just sit there and be quiet. We won't lead our home. We won't lead our family. We're not going to follow directions. We know it all. He just let her do it. And then he decided, well, I'll take of it too. Hmm. That's a different sermon. That's a, men's, that's a men's meeting there. At best, we often complicate matters by trying to develop our own set of principles rather than simply becoming familiar with the principles God has already given us. That's at best. At worst, we simply don't care. We let the, we let the kids raise themselves. We let our families fall apart. Well, let me give you an example here. Our boys, our boys are obviously now teenagers, right? And they're not in here tonight. And I'm not going to try to embarrass them. I'm just telling you where we are in life. They all have cell phones. They go to school. They have a growing interest in young ladies, which I am thankful for. And Christy and I, we want to help them navigate this world. We want to help them navigate this, where they are in this stage of life. We're dealing with things now we didn't have to deal with when they were five years old. We're helping them become men. And we're praying that we're helping them become godly men. And we're helping them navigate this world seeking God's blessing and not the world's blessing. There is a difference. And to help us do that, we are seeking to follow the principles laid out for us in the Word of God. And these principles help us to develop our convictions and our guidelines. So these principles, they, they don't always spell out exactly what we need to do with every situation. They're not going to say, hey, Dad, should I, should I date this girl? And I say, what's the Bible say? The Bible ain't going to say yes or no. Should I take this job? The Bible's not going to say yes or no. But there are principles within the Word of God that, that establish convictions and guidelines to give us discernment to make those decisions. Think of it in these terms. We can follow the road map and know where we're going. Or GPS. But sometimes GPS don't let you know, right? Sometimes GPS tries to put you in a field and said you've reached your destination, right? One time I was in St. Louis, and I was listening to the GPS, and it put me on this interstate that was closed. And so I got off, and I was trying to find my way back, and it rerouted, and next thing I know, I was on the same road in the same place. You can't always follow that, right? But you can follow that road map and you can say, hey, this is where I'm trying to get to and I can look on that and it'll show me what road to take. It'll show me exactly how to get there. And more than most cases, it'll lead me on a smooth road. I'll have an enjoyable ride. I'll arrive safely and I'll arrive on time. Or we can try to create our own road and just go through people's yards just go through the woods, just ride through the pasture and cross the creeks. And somehow, by God's grace, we might actually reach our destination. 
But I promise you, when you get there, you're going to feel pretty beat up and anxious. And the journey will be far less enjoyable and most likely to be damaging. Oh, you got there, but you did it your way, and you got a whole lot of scars now because of it. Can I get amen? Or we can follow the road map and get there. Man, that was fun. That was pretty good. Which is best? There's a good way. There's a right way. So a principle is a Bible truth we must live by. Now, the principle leads to a personal conviction, which is simply a personal belief based on a principle. So, I give you, uh, kind of sticking with my original example here. 2 Corinthians 6.14 teaches this, be, not, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? All right? So there's a principle there. There's a lot more to say to it. When two animals or two people are unequally yoked, they're always at odds with one another rather than working together. All right? You can't, you can't put a big, strong ox with a little, I don't know what you call a, I don't know if you call it a calf or not, but a baby ox, whatever it is. I'm not a farmer. You can't put, pick a big, mature ox with a little bitty one. They're not equally yoked. Or you can't put an ox with a goat. They're not equally yoked. Um, you can't put a big, strong person with a, with a baby, an infant. They're not, that doesn't match up. They're, they're going to work against one another rather than working together. Well, from that Bible principle, we teach our boys the importance of dating and eventually marrying a Christian young lady. I'm teaching them, man. Who you marry has a huge impact, not on just you, but in, in, on our entire family. On everybody. It, affect, it impacts everyone. So we're trying to teach that. And that was my conviction. That was Christy's conviction. And then guess what? It has to become their conviction, right? And so the thing is, if she declares she's not a Christian, then what do we want to do? Well, I'll tell you what I want to do, Brian. We want to lead her to the Lord, Right? We're Christians, and that's what we should do. We should try to, try to lead them to the Lord. That's, that's the first thing we want to do, is lead them to the Lord. But until that time, if I understand that principle, and it, and it becomes a conviction, which means it's a personal belief based on a principle, then, then my conviction is to not enter a relationship with her. Now, there's people who get, who get married and one gets saved afterwards. and There's a whole lot of different scenarios here. I'm using it as an example with my kids. All right? Is, does she have the same values you have? So the personal conviction now, all right? I, one of them, I'm not going to say any of them, but the boys say, well, it's important for me to date a young lady who knows she's saved. Okay, that's a conviction. We get it from the Word of God, and it becomes a conviction. Now, this is, this is important to me. Okay, well, what kind of guidelines are we going to put in place to be sure that happens? Okay, so you can call it a standard, you can call it a guideline, but you put, you put things in place to make that happen. A standard is a guideline that helps us keep our convictions. So sticking with uh, the example of my boys, if it's the conviction there's to only date a young lady with the same values as they have, then they need to ask specific questions as they get to know her. Man, I'm letting y'all in on too much in my family. I'm just telling you. So y'all keep it quiet tonight, all right? So I tell my boys. All right? If you're interested in a young lady, obviously you think she's pretty because you've got an interest in her. But that's not the only thing. Amen? I, I, I tell them, you need, you need to ask yourself, you need to ask her. Does she have a clear testimony of being saved? You need to ask her. Ask her if she's saved. Ask her what she says. That's a guideline. I, I, Dad, I want to marry a young lady. No, we're not even getting there. 
Dad, I want to get to know a young lady who, who is a Christian. Well, the only way to find out is to ask. You've got to ask her. I tell them, has uh, the most basic thing for every believer to do is to get baptized. So has she obeyed the basic step of getting baptized? Because that's the first step. That's a simple step. And then I, 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 I tell them, well, where does she go to church? You need to find out where she go to church at. Because that's important. Does she, are you agreed or disagreed? Where, where does she go to church? All right, she goes to church. Well, does she faithfully attend church? Or is she one of these who says she goes to this church, but she don't know who the pastor was, even though he's been there for five years? That was my church when I was little, but not today. Does she faithfully attend? You need to ask. Is she involved in Christian service? Meaning, is she, is she, does she serve? Is she active? Is, is it, do I just attend church or, do it, or am I a part? Christ is doing something in my life and it's important to me and I want to be involved. Is she involved? You ought to ask. Ask what some of her convictions are. Do you have the same values? What, what do you think about this? I, I tell my boys, I say, listen, man, you might be interested in her, but it don't mean you have to date her. Certainly don't mean you have to have a long relationship with her. I said, just be friends. Start out as friends. Just get to know her. Ask what? Just start out. Just You can always, it's, it's easier to do it that way and break it off and realize, hey, we, we don't match here than it is to get too far into things. I said, these are things that need to be known right up front because don't need, neither one of you need to lie to one another. That's not how you build a relationship. So get to know her. What kind of convictions does she have? What does she think about this and that? And Are you both in agreement that you both wanna, want to honor God? Man, that's important. And these are just basic things. As instructed the boys, you've you got to find this stuff out. And you, you want to be sure you're exemplifying the same things in your own life. Amen? You don't, don't be expecting, well, I, I got such standards that I, I don't want you to be up here, but I ain't living to those standards. I'm down here. If you want a good, godly Christian woman, then you better be a good, godly Christian man. Amen to that. All right, watch this. Now, don't confuse a conviction and a standard with a preference or a hang-up, because they're not the same thing. A conviction is a personal belief based on a Bible principle. A preference is a personal desire in an area where no principle is involved. Well, I, I prefer this, but you can't give Bible for it. A hang-up is something we believe very strongly, even though it's not in the Bible. Uh, Yeah, it's something I, I feel strongly about this, but it's a hang, it becomes a hang-up. Now, R.B. Ouellette, I'll quote him, he says, Our goal should be to develop our own personal convictions and to establish personal standards that will help us follow biblical principles. All right? So, again, all of this was developed off 2 Corinthians chapter 6. So, then we distill a principle into practice. All right? The process for developing personal standards or guidelines, whatever you want to call them, involves three steps. Think about it like this. We establish the Bible principle. What does God say on the matter? This is God's word. I, I read God's word. This is what he has to say about it. So we establish the Bible principle. Then through that, we form a conviction. So what do I believe this teaches for daily life? All right? This is how it applies to me. And then we set a standard. Well, what should I do to keep my conviction? And I'll give you an example. Colossians 3.17. Whatsoever you do, why don't you turn there? Colossians 3.17, go into the right in your Bible. Uh, Paul writes here, and it's a great verse. That's why I want you to look at it, and maybe you need to underline it and memorize it, because this is a great, great principle. And Whatsoever, Colossians 3.17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Whatever it is we do, word or deed, that means words or actions, we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus and we give thanks to God. 
All right? That's a Bible principle. And what it is teaching us is that it, we represent Christ in everything we do. Everything we do, we represent Jesus Christ. So you read that verse and you say, well, man, that, how does that apply? All right? That's the principle. Whatever I do, words, deeds, words and actions, I'm, I'm representing Jesus Christ. Well, the conviction that develops is that I have to be careful with what my words and actions speak. All right? If that Bible principle is now going to be a part of my life, I'm going to accept that. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of... If I'm going to apply that, then that means that I have to realize that I have to be careful with what my words and actions speak. And I then determine to carry out that conviction by the standard or the guideline that I put into place. So think of it like this. If that is my conviction, then I have to pay attention with what is acceptable for me to post on social media. Woo! Hello? It will impact how I want to look in public. Everything I do, words or deeds, I represent Jesus Christ. How do I look represent Jesus Christ? What, what I post, how does it represent Jesus Christ? What does it say? some juice there. It'll help me know how to react to gossip. I'm just throwing out things. It'll help me to consider the places I go. Should I be there? Here's, here's a principle. Abstain from all. You okay? <laughs> He's filled the Holy Spirit there. Uh, just kidding. Ooh, that's a different church. <laughs> abstain, abstain from all appearance of evil. That's a principle. I got to be careful where I go. Do I need to be here? If, if Pastor saw me here, what would he think? Right? So, so I, I have a conviction. I don't want to be seen there. I don't want to be thought of in that way. And so I have a guideline. I need to stay away from such things. And those applying principles. Well, a Bible-believing Christian may have different standards but share the same conviction based on a Bible principle. And that's an important statement. A Bible-believing Christian may have different standards, but have the same, share the same conviction. Uh, here's a principle. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Hope everybody's getting something. Turn your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and look at this Bible principle in verse 31. Give you an example. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. If you go to the wilds, you have to quote that verse before every meal. Whether therefore you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all the glory of God. So, here's, here's an example. I'm on Facebook. I know a lot of Christians who hate Facebook. That's their conviction and their standard is to stay off of it. I'm on it. Now, here's my guideline. I choose to use Facebook to be a light. Every post that I put out there is to be a light. I rarely preach. I don't use that as a platform to do that. I don't argue with people. It gets nowhere. I just choose to be a light. I try to be a light to somebody throughout the day. I give you something to think about. just want to be a light. I'm on Facebook. But whatever I do, I want to do it for the glory of God. I love to tell people what God did, did Sunday. I love to do it. I love to praise Him. I choose to do that. Same conviction. One, one may say, I don't like it, I want to stay off of it. Same conviction. That, that's how they want to do it for the glory of God. I'm just going to stay off of it. I don't want nothing part of it. I want to do it for the glory of God. We got the same conviction. We just got a different guideline. 
say, what is that? It's called grace, people. Right? Here, here's, here's another example. I'll give you another one. Um, some people have a television with strict limitations. And some don't have a TV at all. I'm not going uh, to put any wicked thing before my eyes. I, I've heard it. I, don't, I, I won't have a TV in my house. And some, they're going to have very strict. I got a TV in my house. And yeah, we got to be very careful what we do. I got the same conviction. I don't want my kids watching junk. And there's ways to prevent that. Amen? We got the same conviction. We just got a different guideline. Our standards may look different, but our goal is the same, and that's to honor God and do all to his glory. Let the Holy Spirit direct you. Amen? Let the Holy Spirit guide you. So, let's begin to wrap up here. Because at some point it's bound to happen, because you mentioned the word standard, and somebody's going to mention the word legalism. You're a legalist. Talk about standard. And admittedly, some of that reasoning comes as a result of those who taught standards with pharisaical intentions. What do I mean? Standards can become pharisaical when a Christian believes that his specific standard makes him holier than those who don't practice it. Because they do not account for the fact that actions and appearances are not always an accurate representation of the heart. I will repeat, standards can become pharisaical. When one believes that his specific standard makes him holier than those who don't practice it. Because they do not account for the fact that actions and appearances are not always an accurate representation of the heart. I love Olet's quote. Spiritual people have standards, but standards don't make us spiritual. So, I'll give you an example. Luke chapter 18. Get over there. Luke 18. And look with me in verse 10. Luke 18. And I want us to consider the Pharisee and the publican out of the mouth of, out of, the mouth of Jesus Christ. Here is one who is better than everybody else. And he probably is from a, well, let's just read it, okay? Verse 10 Luke 18, verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee. I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Wow. I'm not an extortioner. Isn't that good? Should we be an extortioner? Oh, of course not. He says, I, I'm, not, I'm not unjust. You sh we shouldn't be unjust. He says, I'm not an adulterer. And he looks at that publican over there and he says, even as this publican, I'm, I'm not like him. Well, that's a blessing. That's, a, that's good. And then he brags on himself again in verse 12. He says, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes. All that I possess, all of these things that I do, I got high standards, high standards, and I'm, I'm not like these other individuals. Who are lower than me. In verse 13, Jesus says, The publican standing afar off, he would not he not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but he smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Well, that publican says, I, I ain't no good. I'm, I'm undeserving. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The outward appearance doesn't always reflect what's in the heart. Amen. You can't, you can't make an immoral person spiritual by putting a suit and tie on him. That's, that's just an easy way of saying it. A man's appearance and his background doesn't always tell the entire story. Right? Just because what people see on the outside don't mean what's going on in here. So, I, I, I told you about this guy, Bobby Matlock. Bobby Matlock changed my life, man. Bobby Matlock, unsaved, 
bridge builder who could not read or write in his late 60s um, spent a number of t- days with him working through the Bible and inviting him to church. He would not come to church. He was worried about what everybody thought of him. Would not accept my invitation to church. He finally came one day. I was so excited about that. And I followed up and I, I was with him another day. And uh, old Bobby accepted Jesus Christ as a Savior. Love that guy. Country boy, man. Country's kaboom. And that fella, he showed up at church the next Sunday, and he always sat on the front row. He looked like uh, uh, Uncle Jesse on Dukes of Hazard. That's what he looked like, just like him. And, and he would sit right there, and he'd say, he'd, amen, preacher, and this, that, and the other. He'd come to me like on a Wednesday night, you know, and he'd say, I don't understand why everybody ain't here, preacher. You know, it was a Wednesday night, and, he says, man, this is good. Everybody ought to be here. And uh, he was just an encourager. And when, when Bobby got saved, Bobby went to Hammers up in Fayetteville, Tennessee, and Bobby bought himself three brand new pairs of Liberty overalls. And he said, Pastor, these are my church clothes. Man, there was a change in his heart. And it was reflecting outside. And if I would have told, if I would have told Bobby, those ain't church clothes, Bobby, you got to put a suit and a tie on, that fellow would have never came to church. He would not have done it. He would not have done it. But that fellow came with the joy of the Lord. And uh, man, he was a blessing. All right? Listen. Just because some people have let us down doesn't mean standards are wrong altogether. If we understand the reason behind them. No one questions wearing the same uniform as your teammates. Because that's one of the guidelines of being a part of the team. All right. In a similar way, we establish standards in our lives as tools we use to help us obey Bible principles. Right? So it's a standard that I establish. I, have a, I see the principle. It's developed a conviction. This is, this is what I believe. This is how it applies. And I'm going to set these standards, these guidelines in my life to help me obey the principle. And it's about obedience. Amen? It's not about conforming. It's, 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 about, it's about obeying what I understand from God's word and applying that to my life. And we can get there in different ways. But God's word is true. Let God's word be true and every man a liar. God's word is true. And how we get there may be different. It may not look the same as everybody else. But we still want to see that, that, that come out in our life. All right? Uh, turn to Joshua. Why is that? Let's, let's wrap up. Joshua chapter 1 in the Old Testament. Joshua 1, verse number 8. You ought to to memorize it. If you don't have it, memorize. This book of the law, the Lord says to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. So you're always thinking about it. Even if you're not sitting down reading it, you're thinking about it. It's there. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. It's obeying. There are principles there. That the Lord has established, and so I want to obey that. It's a reason it's there. Now, why is it there? Because he says at the end, For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Well, I want to be successful. I'm going to be successful. I've got to find out what God's word has to say about it. What does God's word have to say about it? All right? If that's God's word, that's what it says, then I want to apply that to my life. The man who knows what the word says and is obedient to its principles is the man who is considered successful. You, may, you don't have to have a lot of wealth to be successful. You just obey the word of God. Now, uh, John 17. This is the last scripture. Gospel of John, chapter 17. 
And here Jesus is praying for the believers, right? And he prays in his priestly prayer in John 17, verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And it's the truth of the word that sets the believer apart. That's what sanctification means, sanctify. It's setting us apart. We're set apart through, through God's truth. God's word is truth. And it's, so it's the truth of the word that sets the believer apart. And so as a biblical disciple of Christ, I want to learn from God's word the principles God has laid out for me that enable me to live this life successfully. I want to be a good husband. God's word will help me do that. I want to be a good father. God's word will help me do that. I want to be a good godly man. God's word will help me do that. I want to be a good employee. God's word will help me do that. I want to be a good friend. God's word will help me do that. I want to be a good mentor in somebody else's life. God's word will help me do that. All right? So I have to learn those principles and to begin to apply. And with the help of the Holy Spirit... I want to use discernment as I develop Bible-based convictions that will encourage me to establish guidelines in my life so that I can put those principles into practice and be more like my Jesus every day. So, next week, we're going to start looking at some Bible principles that will mature us, mature us as believers and disciples of Christ. Amen. We're going to look at Bible principles. What does God say about this? We're going to look at it. We're going to consider it. We're going to see how we can apply it. And therefore, we're going to be, we're going to be disciples of Jesus. We're going to take God's word, and we're going to apply it to ourselves, and we're going to learn it, and we're going to grow as believers. And as a result, we're also going to impact others. So, that's the introduction tonight. <sighs> I don't know, maybe it bores you, but I love it.